pray. Father, we just turn this time over to you that you might be glorified in everything that's said and done, Father. Uh, anoint your word. Uh, speak it to our hearts, Father. Uh, teach us. Change us. Mold us. Make us more like you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. Well, I'm pretty sure that this uh, should be the final chapter of these are the words I should say, I would say. Words of encouragement and challenge from Paul to his son in the faith, Timothy. And I want to just focus on one verse today, uh, verse one, or, or chapter one, verse seven. Um, on September 11th, I was reading a story in Walking in Grace by a New Yorker uh, called Karen Valentine who lived through 9-11. She said this, a plane just crashed into the World Trade Center, my mother said, waking me up. She had a flair for the dramatic, so I didn't take the announcement seriously. You woke me up, I grumbled. I'll call you later. Imagining a tiny plane sticking out from one of its windows, I tried to go back to sleep, but I couldn't. I brushed my teeth and I turned on the television as the phone rang. Oh, thank God, my aunt yelled. You're home. We stayed on the phone together crying as the towers crumbled. First one and then the other. That afternoon, I walked 40 blocks to my cousin's place. The view of the World Trade Center from her balcony was now a mountain of smoke. For days, it felt like New Yorkers were lost in that fog. We were in shock and paralyzed with fear. I wanted to avoid crowds in the subway, but living and working in a city did not afford us that choice. We had to get to work and live our lives, so we moved through our fears together, knowing that we weren't doing it alone. I wasn't the only one trembling inside as I boarded my first crowded train after the attacks. And somehow, that gave me strength. Each year, I'm reminded of the fear that threatened to paralyze me. But I'm also reminded of the strength and unity that helped me overcome it. You know, we live in a world that is filled with fear. Amen? The Bible says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. We struggle in fear of another attack like we did on 9-11. The fear of an epidemic like COVID-19 or something even worse, the fear of an economic collapse and the hardships that it would follow, the fear of climate change wreaking havoc on our world, the fear of an invasion from an enemy army coming into our soil like we've seen in Ukraine, the fear of the change that going to two services next week is gonna bring. <laughs> The fear of getting older and becoming even more frail than I am. The fear of persecution as we stand up for what the Bible says is truth. 
But I believe that God is calling us to be strong and courageous, a call to courage. And that's what this message is about. In the midst of all of our fears, we are called to be courageous. And so I want you to turn to 2 Timothy once more. And let's take a look at verse 7, chapter 1, verse 7. It says this, For God has not given to us a spirit of timidity, but of power and of love and of discipline. I like the way the King James says it. For God has not given to us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Amen? Paul starts by telling Timothy that God has not given to us the spirit of timidity. He has not given to us the spirit of fear. Amen? Amen. Fear not. Fear not. God is speaking that to our hearts. Fear not. The fear that we have doesn't come from God. He allows it, but he's not the source of it. This fear springs from the presence of evil in the world, the total depravity of man, and the brokenness of our own lives as a result. God is calling us to be courageous in spite of our fear. God is calling us to fear not. Did you know the Bible uses that term, fear not, about 365 times in the Bible? Pretty good, one for every day. Something that you can remember every day. So I want to look at three scriptures that talk about fear. The first one is found in John 14. John 14, verses 26 and 27. I only put 27 on there, but I, I'm going to start with 26. And John 14, 26 says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give it to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. Amen? Jesus is speaking to each and every one of us today. Do not be fearful. Don't let your heart be fearful. It says we have not, uh, Jesus tells his disciples that he is sending the Holy Spirit, the helper to be with them when he is gone. The Holy Spirit will be with us always and he will bring to remembrance everything that Jesus had told them. Everything that we get from the word of God, he'll bring that to remembrance and then he leaves them peace, a peace that passes understanding. And he tells them not to be fearful. Don't let your heart be troubled by the fears of this world. Fear not. Fear not. The Holy Spirit is with you at all times and in every situation. Jesus says he will teach us how many things? All things. Can you say that? All things. Jesus is going to teach us all things, and he's going to bring to remembrance all that he has said to us, all that we have taken from this word and put into our heart. He's going to bring that to our remembrance. He will never leave us nor forsake us because the helper is with us. We can fear not. Amen? All right. Romans. Let's go to uh, the book of Romans, chapter 8. 
Verse 15, another thing about fear. And it says this, For you have not received the spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, heirs also. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him so that we may be also glorified with him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is going to be revealed to us in heaven. Amen? We have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again. That was our old life. We were slaves to our sin. But now we've been given freedom. We've been given freedom. We sang that song this morning. We've we've received a spirit of adoption, which makes us sons and daughters of God. You know, sons and daughters have a special in, right? Grandkids, too. Caleb and Jane can come up to me anytime, anywhere, any t- and get whatever they want. <laughs> B- because they're my kids. They're part of my family. They're my grandkids. And that's what God is saying to us too. You've been adopted. You're part of, you've received an inheritance. You are heirs of the kingdom, amen? That means you have the inheritance and you can spend it any way you want. You have the choice. He's been, he's been given to us. And he finally says that we have been given the blessings of eternal life, which is far more glorious than anything we can imagine, waiting for us at the end of time. I remember that song, I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. Amen? Because of our adoption into God's family, we can fear not. Amen? And then finally, 40, or Psalms 46, 1 through 3, says this about fear. God is our strength, our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth should change and though the mountains slip into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains quake, at its swelling pride. Wow. God is our refuge and strength. A very present. Did you know he's with you right now? He's a very present help in times of trouble. If you're going through trouble right now, he's with you. He's very present. He's always with us. There is therefore, and you know how Doug always likes to pick on that word, therefore, Therefore, we have no need to fear anything, anything, even as as a result of climate change, there are catastrophic changes to the oceans and land, we can fear not. Even when the mountains quake and fall, and here in Southern California, they do that a lot. There's a lot of quaking and falling. We can fear not. No matter what the fear that comes against us, we are safe and secure in the arms of God. 
God has not given to us a spirit of fear because God is a very present time, help in times of trouble. We can fear not. Amen? God is calling us to be courageous and he's saying, fear not. And the second thing that he says back in uh, 2 Timothy is that we have been given power. Amen? We have power. And Acts 1.8 says it this way. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest parts of the earth. God has given us his Holy Spirit power to be witnesses to our families, to our community and to the world. That's the Holy Spirit we receive when we receive Jesus Christ as our Savior. What we were singing about today is talking about coming to know Jesus as your Savior. When he comes into your life, you are given the Holy Spirit. He is resident within you, and he has all power to do anything that you need done. You just need to ask him. He lives in our heart, and we can allow the Holy Spirit to control our every step and thought. Amen? We, learn, we need to learn to walk in the Spirit day by day, and we learn to walk that way by the choices that we make to obey Jesus rather than to give in to the fears of this world. Amen? Amen. Um, what does that power look like? What, what does that power of the Holy Spirit look like? Well, you can turn to Luke 18 now, but I, I really want you to read it all later because I don't have time to go through all of, of reading through Luke 18. So that's your homework assignment. Read through Luke 18 because Luke 18 is filled with stories of power, the power of God. And, and so these are some of Jesus' final acts and teachings before reaching his destination in his journey to Jerusalem. And it begins with the power of the widow's persistence. Jesus commends the widow and says that she will receive justice for her faith and persistence. Through the Holy Spirit within us, we have been given this power of persistence. Amen? Amen. We can be persistent in prayer. We can have that power. Let me share an example of that power of persistence. In 1917, a young seamstress was thrilled to get admitted to one of New York City's uh, most renowned fashion design schools. But when Ann Lowe Cohn arrived from Florida to register for classes, the school director said, you're not welcome here. To be blunt, Miss Cohn, we didn't know you were a Negro. Refusing to leave, she whispered a prayer. Please let me stay here. Seeing her persistence, the director let Anne stay, but segregated her from the whites-only classroom, leaving the back door open for her to hear. Undeniably talented, Anne graduated six months early and attracted high society clients, including the First Lady of the United States, Jacqueline Kennedy, whose world-famous wedding gown she designed. She made the gown twice because uh, seeking God's help after a pipe burst above her sewing studio, ruining the first dress. 
Persistence like that is powerful, especially in prayer. In Jesus' parable of the persistent widow, a widow pleads repeatedly for justice from a corrupt judge. At first he refuses her, but because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice. With far more love, will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? He will, said Jesus. As he inspires us, let's seek to persistently pray and never give up. Never give up, never surrender. <laughs> Little galaxy quest. Never give up. Be persistent in, in those prayers. Pray, 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 and God will give you the answers. But you need to be persistent. That's the power that we have in the Holy Spirit. That's the power that God gives us. We have power. Amen? Amen. You know, then Jesus in Luke 18 continues with the story of the tax collector and the Pharisee which displays the power of a humble, repentant heart. It was John Riskin who said, I believe the first test of a truly great man is his humility. I do not mean by humility doubt of his own power or hesitation in speaking his opinion, but really great men have a feeling that the greatness is not in them, but through them that they could not do or be anything else but what God made them. Andrew Murray said, the humble man feels no jealousy or envy. He can praise God when others are preferred and blessed before him. He can bear to hear others praised while he is forgotten because he has received the spirit of Jesus who pleased not himself and who sought not his own honor. Therefore, in putting on the Lord Jesus Christ, he has put on the heart of compassion, kindness, meekness, long-suffering, and humility. M.R. Dehan used to say, humility is something that we should constantly pray for and yet never thank God that we have received it. Just as Jesus humbled himself, we ought not to think more highly of ourselves, but in humility, put others first. Like the tax collector, we need to learn the power of humility. We have power. And then the next parable in Luke 18 is the parable of the rich young ruler. And this shows the negative power of possessions that can pull us away from God. We live in a very possession-oriented society. Those things pull on us all the time. But every good gift we have is from God, amen? And therefore, we need to hold on to things loosely. We need to be willing to give away more than what we think we can afford. My wife keeps helping me to do that. Give away more, give away more. Don't be lured into the deceitfulness of riches. Don't allow the love of money to taint your life. God has given us the power to choose riches in heaven over treasure on earth. Amen? We have that power.
Make that choice. And then chapter 18 concludes with Jesus' healing power on full display as he heals the blind beggar Bartimaeus. Remember last week, Pastor Doug told us that Jesus was the greatest healer of all time. Amen? But he did not come to be a healer. He came to seek and save the lost. And that's what we're here for. Amen? To seek and save the lost, not just to get healed. Jesus healed out of compassion as he followed his mission, a journey to the cross. And Jesus is still healing today. Amen? I read this in uh, um, uh, Waves of Mercy. Uh, There's a group called Mercy Ships that goes into different places in the world and does surgeries that are uh, unattainable for the people there. Surgeries on cleft lips and palates, surgeries on, on legs that are malformed, and they change lives every day. This letter came. Dear Mercy Ships, thank you for the wonderful things you and the entire team of Mercy Ships have done for me. You operated on me when I was unable to walk on my feet. Presently, I am attending school. I thank you every day for the wonders you do. I'll try to send a picture of me with my uniform. Now, I feel like a human being. May God bless you. Thank you. With love, Fanny. God is still healing in the world today. He's doing miraculous things. He's healing day in and day out. Matt Marr has a song entitled, In the Room. And um, we're going to hear it at, after the service is over and we go offline. It'll be playing, so listen for it at the very end. But it, it's been playing over and over in my mind. It speaks to our desire to see God move in power. Amen? Would you like to see God move in power? Isn't that why we come? We want to see God move in power in our lives collectively as we worship together, in our lives as we pray for one another. We want to see God move in power because he's a God of power. And this is, this is the song. These are some words from the, not the whole one, but enough. <laughs> there are moments nothing can replace when heaven and earth meet face to face. When a broken heart begins to change, a word takes on flesh and a soul finds faith. Where the unfulfilled are satisfied and the unknown scars are reconciled, there's an open door to a brand new life up close in the presence of the Savior. And I just want to be in the room. I want to be in the room when you move. And I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving till you do. I want to see the blind receive their sight. Hear the praise of the voiceless start to rise. Every child of God baptized with fire right here in the presence of the healer. Praise God. I like that. I'm Pentecostal, you know, so I like that part. Tear off the roof. Lower me down. Whatever it takes to get me to you. Roll every stone. <clears throat> Sorry. 
push through the crowd. God, I want to see you break through because I just want to be in the room. want to be in the room when you move and I'm not leaving, not leaving till you do. I don't want to miss it. Amen? I don't want to miss it. That's God's power. The Holy Spirit empowers us to be courageous and to act without fear. We have power. Say that with me. We have power. Amen. And then the next thing that that scripture says is that we have love. He's given us love. You know, John 3, 16, we all know that one, says that God so loved the world that he gave. He gave Jesus to us that we might be saved and spend eternity with him. 1 Corinthians 13 talks about agape love, the selfless love. God loves us so that we might love him and love one another. Hey, that'd make a nice phrase, wouldn't it? Anyway, love God, love people, change the world. Amen. God's love. We have love. John 15, 13 says it this way, if I can find it. See, I had to put in all these little things in my Bible. Greater love hath no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. That's exactly what Jesus did for us. Amen? He laid down his life for your sin, for my sin. He carried it all to the cross. That is love. That is agape love. In our daily bread, I read this story, and I wanted to share it with you. Just before Easter 2018, a terrorist entered a market, killing two people and taking a third woman hostage. When efforts to free the woman failed, a policeman made the terrorist an offer. Release that woman and take him instead. The offer was shocking because it went against popular wisdom. You can always tell a culture's wisdom by the sayings it celebrates, like the quotes that get posted on social media, something like, uh, the biggest adventure you can take is to live the life of your dreams. Love yourself first, and everything else falls into line. Do what you have to do for you. Had the police officer followed such advice, he'd have put himself first and run away. The Apostle James says that there are two kinds of wisdom in the world, one earthly and another heavenly. The first is marked by selfish ambition and disorder. The second by humility Submission and peacemaking. Earthly wisdom puts self first. Heavenly wisdom favors others, leading to a life of humble deeds. The terrorist accepted the police officer's offer. The hostage was released. The policeman was shot. And that Easter, the world witnessed an innocent man dying for someone else. Heavenly wisdom leads to humble deeds because it places God above self. We have love. God has given us that kind of love. He died for us. We need to lay our lives down for one another. In Ezekiel, it talks about how um, God is sometimes displeased when we lose 
our love. And Ezekiel 34, verses 1 through 4, says this. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to those shepherds, Thus says the Lord God, Woe to the shepherds of Israel who have been feeding themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flock? You eat the fat and clothe yourselves with the wool. You slaughter the fat sheep without feeding the flock. Those who are sickly, you have not strengthened. The diseased, you have not healed. The broken, you have not bound up. The scattered, you have not brought back. Nor have you sought for the lost. But with force and with severity, you have dominated them. It speaks against the shepherds of Israel who have lost their love for one another. They have selfishly fed themselves instead of taking care of the needy in society. We are to love the sickly and diseased. We are to bind up the broken and search for the scattered and lost sheep. I think caregivers in our society share this kind of love to those in need. And, and I think there's a season for uh, many of you may be caring for loved ones right now. Amen? I know there's a season for each of us to be a caregiver. I find myself being a caregiver for my wife, for Mary Beth. And I am glad to do whatever needs to be done. I hear from Debbie and Roger Engerbretson about the, the struggles that they are going through. Francis Uubi and the Wells of Hope minister the children of prisoners in Uganda with this kind of love. I was watching a football game yesterday from Nebraska, and at the end of the first quarter, everybody turns and looks up to the hospital. And all of the kids in that hospital are up on the top floor watching the game. And everybody waves to them to let them know they're with them. Have you seen that? Wow, that's moving. We need to have that kind of care and love for the sick and the needy and those in the hospital. Samaritan's Purse goes all over the world meeting those kinds of needs. They're everywhere. Wherever there's a storm, wherever something happens, they're in the Ukraine. They're doing great things there. God has given to us his love so that we might share it with others, especially the sick and needy. Amen? We have love. In Colossians 3, 12 and 14, says this about love. <clears throat> okay. So, as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another, and forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. You preach a whole sermon on all of that stuff. There's a lot of meat there. Compassion. It says, clothe ourselves with compassion, and over all these things, put on love. 
Compassion is a feeling so strong that it leads us to take action to meet another's need. That's how Jesus healed people, with his compassion. Here's an illustration of that kind of love and action. Building benches isn't what James Warren's job. He started building them, however, when he noticed a woman in Denver sitting in the dirt while waiting for a bus. That's undignified, Warren worried. So the 28-year-old workforce consultant found some scrap wood, built a bench, and placed it at the bus stop. It quickly got used. Realizing many of the 9,000 bus stops in his city lacked seating, he made another bench and then several more, inscribing, be kind on each one. His goal? To make people's lives just a little bit better in any way I can. Last week we heard from our brother Nick about his work in Ukraine, and, and I'm sure he's sharing that with other people as, as he's gone uh, around and talking with people. God has used him to share love to the Ukrainian people. God's love in action. Love, peop- love God, love people, and change the world. Let's put your love into action. Amen? 2 Corinthians 7. <clears throat> 5 through 7. Another type of love. Paul is say, talking here. For even when we came into Macedonia, our flesh had no rest, but we were afflicted on every side, conflicts without, fears within. But God, who comforts the depressed, comforted us by the coming of Titus. And not only by his coming, but also by the comfort with which he was comforted in you as he reported to us your longing, your mourning, your zeal for me, so that I rejoiced even more. Paul was afflicted greatly in Macedonia. Conflicts from without and fears from within. But God... Another great couple of words there, amen? But God brought comfort to him in the person of Titus. That's what Nick was doing in Ukraine, bringing comfort to those. That's what we can do with one another, bringing comfort. And Titus brought it by his presence and through the messages he brought from other believers that he gave to Paul. I remember while we were grieving for Mary Beth's mom, she just passed away a couple of, uh, a month ago. And um, while we were grieving that, we, we were comforted by gathering together and celebrating her life in loving fellowship with one another. And Dell's daughter, Tanya, was with mom on her last day and brought a heartfelt message of comfort to Mary Beth and me. Although mom was speaking word salad during that time, um, Tanya said that, that she got it across to her that mom was trying to tell Mary Beth that she saw Myrna, mom's sister, who had already passed, and John, mom's son, who had already passed. And the knowledge of her being with her family in heaven brought great comfort to us all. Just showing up can make a difference in someone else's life. 
I don't know who Niecy Nash is. She was on a TV show or anyway, but if you know who she is, she said this. This got her through some tough times. No matter what, show up and put up. Amen? Amen. Show up and put up. Next week, no matter what, show up and put up. Was that good, Garrett? Okay. (laughs) In our grace groups, we've been having times when we just need to be there for one another. Amen? Amen. And, and we need to love each other and pray for each other. And if we never get to the questions or do anything else, we have had church and we've been in the presence of God and we've seen his power and his love at work in us. Amen? Amen. Amen. That's showing up. That's what God is calling us to, to have fellowship with one another in the midst of our fears and troubles. Desmond Tutu's Tutu said, hope is being able to see that there is light despite all the darkness. We have love. Say that with me. We have love. And then finally, the fourth thing that he says in, in that scripture is we have a sound mind. A sound mind. And the last thing that Paul has given to, uh, God has given to us is discipline, it says in the NASB. And the footnotes add sound judgment, and the King James says a sound mind. Gordon Fee, who's a uh, commentator, says the Greek word is literally a wise head. I like that. A wise head. And he goes on to say that a wise head gives a controlled response, not seen as a natural endowment, but as the fruit of the Holy Spirit. When we have a wise head, we're being controlled by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit brings to remembrance the word of God that we've placed in our lives. And he allows us to to make decisions and to do the right thing, to make those choices based on the word of God. Amen? Amen. So three more, uh, well, okay. (laughs) Let me just tell you, okay. Romans 12, 2 says it this way. Our minds are to be transformed, not conformed. Amen? And it's be transformed by the Holy Spirit living within us, giving us wisdom to live our lives according to the word of God revealed to us in the Bible. Amen? It's essential for us to be SOBs. Amen? You remember that? (laughs) Students of the Bible. Yeah. Right? Students of the Bible. We need to study this. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Study to show yourself approved, a workman that rightly divides the word of truth. Amen? We've got to get it in us so that the Holy Spirit can bring it to remembrance so that we can make the right choices and walk in the Spirit with power and love. But we've got to have it in us. All Scripture is given by God. Amen? Another thing from 2 Timothy 3.16-17. through 17. But at the very end of it, it says... When we do that, then we are adequate, fully equipped for every good work when we live our lives in obedience to God's word. Amen? So we have a sound mind. We have a sound mind. That's the final thing. But we've got to put this in here and in here. Amen? In conclusion... 
<laughs> God is giving us a call to be courageous in a fear-filled world. We are to fear not because we have power. We can overcome any trouble that we find ourselves in. And we have love so that we might share that love with one another. And we have a sound mind so that we can fill our lives with the truth of God's word through study and application every day in the power of the Holy Spirit within us. Do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed into the image of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we want to thank you for your word. We thank you, Father, for giving us all of that power, that love. Thank you, Lord, that we don't have to fear. Thank you, Lord, for your word and help us to put it into action in our lives, Father. Bless us now as we go and bring us back again next week uh, to show up and put up. In Jesus' name, amen.